Hey guys, welcome to The Big Reset, where we focus on reaching every student every time. I'm your host, Julie Springer, and I'm so excited to be part of your professional learning community. Today, we're going to be talking with some guests about how universal design for learning makes a difference in the classrooms and schools where they are. We'll get some insight from them on how well this framework for teaching is working in their classrooms. Let's do this thing. Today we have with us uh, three different folks who work here at CHS with three very differing uh, positions in which they are assigned. So we'll start with you first, Mike. I'm Mike Yakubowski. I teach uh, STEM and engineering and app development. Awesome. My name is Alyssa Womack. I'm one of the assistant principals here at Coppell High School. Uh, before I was an assistant principal, I was a digital learning coach and I was also a Spanish teacher. Awesome. Um, my name is Carolyn Hart, and I am in the SPED department. I am an in-class support uh, teacher for the English department, and previously I was a principal for 10 years okay. in the private sector. So we have a great mix of folks here, and that's the one thing I like about UDL is that no matter where you are, no matter what classroom you're in, you can make it work. So. The one thing I really want to start with is the why. Um, that's just kind of the whole reason behind UDL. And I want you to think about in your experiences, whether it's presently or in the past, how has UDL been a focus for you? Why have you chosen to use it and why is it working for you? I'll let y'all just jump in, whoever wants to start. I'll be 100% transparent. When I got hired at Coppell High School this year, we were in an administration meeting and somebody was talking about UDL and I was Googling mm -hmm. um, what universal design for learning was because I was unfamiliar with um, the strategy. I was unfamiliar with what it looked like. When I first experienced what I thought was UDL, my mind immediately went to differentiation. But upon deeper dive, and more of a dig, I realized that it has a lot more to do with letting the students choose. Uh, let them choose their pathways, let them choose their products. And so I haven't been in the classroom using the UDL model, but it made me think about my experiences in my master's class with um, at Lamar University. We had a professor named Dr. Dwayne um, Haratnewick, and he talked about the COVA learning approach which is choice, ownership, voice, and um, authenticity. And I was able to make a connection with UDL and that COVA approach. I, I feel like I have a connection with that as well because I was the same way. As soon as I was hired here, we talked about UDL in the, in the interview, and I was the same way. Okay, let me Google this. Give me you know an idea of what this is. And my background is PBL, so project-based learning, and all all about authenticity and voice and choice and stuff like that so it felt like I could really understand 
how UDL would be working in the classroom. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the application just yet since I'm in class support, but it's exciting to know that that's kind of the route that we're going because you know, the more voice and choice that kids have in their learning, the more ownership they take of it and the more excited they are about it. Um, with UDL, like figuring out how to show what they know, you know, there's so many different ways to show what kids know. Um, and I think that the UDL is such a great way to go because, you know, the, these kids are, you know, a lot of critical thinking goes into that UDL. And, you know, kids are learning to do jobs that jobs haven't even been created yet. So they have to understand how to think critically and use those concepts that they learn and how do we apply it to real world situations. So I think UDL is, is a, a great way to do it. Um, I got lucky and learned about UDL several years ago from some other people um, that I know with and um, have a, some PLC with and we, we've got a community of people that work together and they taught me about that and I've always been one to give kids a chance I don't want to rule someone out yes I teach engineering and STEM but I think every kid can every student we've got in this building can do our class they can have fun in it they can totally be successful in it they may not go be an engineer but they can go do our class and we have those I have all kinds of ranges and I want them all to be successful in the room together there are times where I need to focus on this student here and you know my sophomore year class a couple years ago I had everything from a student who's in on level algebra one as a sophomore up to students in calculus all in the same room working together yeah you you can't design one lesson for them um, and I've always been in that philosophy design for the margins and you design for everyone so I set things up so that they can do that and with UDL when we were really digging into it it helped me develop that better rather than just try to figure it out on my own there was a better framework for it there was a way to do it quicker and easier um, and be more successful with it rather than just struggle to do it because I always believed that all of them can do it. Everybody brings something to the table, and I'm always willing to trust in people. And this helped me do that and give them that joy, chance to, all right, here's what I'm good at. This is what I can contribute. This is the way I can show you what I know, and this is where my passion lies. And I can go chase that down, but still learn the things I need to learn and really get to it. And I, didn't, I don't have to dumb it down or take things out to make someone successful in the room. We designed it so that they will be successful just from the start. Mm -hmm. And that was, that's what I love about it. And I think that you've hit on some really important points. You talked about designing lessons for the margins. Um, when we look at our students that are really high level kids, sometimes they just get left out. Uh, we really focus a lot with the low level kids with our in-class support teachers like what mm -hmm. Carolyn does. But a lot of times it's those really high kids that we don't push them to their limits. Yeah. Um, what are some things that you guys have seen that maybe have improved the teaching for those higher level kids that we don't typically think about? Anything y'all can think of? Well, I think it comes down to challenge by choice. Um, you know, if kids know this is the standard that I have to learn, but if they have some say in how they demonstrate their mastery of it, giving them that choice allows those students who need to be pushed, allow those students who need some enrichment to be able to choose to demonstrate their mastery through a way that they can really show what they know. Um, 
many years ago when I was in the classroom and we were using technology to support learning, I would say to students, if you're comfortable with Google Slides, I want you to choose a different method or a different um, app to present your information, to present your learning, because I always wanted to challenge them and push them beyond what they were comfortable with. Um, and that was one of the ways that was easy to challenge students through that implementation of technology saying, okay, here's your comfortability level. Now I want you to try something new and show me mastery of the content. Yeah, I, I don't actually grade the project that we're doing. The project is the tool to get to the learning and I don't grade it. I want them to take a risk. I want them to, they have a lot of choice in what they do and I want them to own it. And so they, the thing I grade, the assessment is a reflection of the process they went through and what did they learn through that. And they have to defend it. Now, there are certain things they have to defend that they learned and they have to, and I truly, they have to defend that they learned it, mm -hmm. but they get to also use the method that they want to. They put it in their portfolio, but it could be an audio, a video, it could be handwritten, typed, I don't care. Um, they'll do, I have kids who will do on their iPad and do a screen capture showing me the activity, what they did. Here's why I chose this and oh my gosh, it totally failed, but this is what I learned and we were supposed to do this and this is what I got out of it and this is what I learned because I didn't know this before. Now I know not to do this or I know mm -hmm. this and they defend what they learned there and they can take that risk. And so those high level kids, they go out and they do some wild stuff because they're free to. And they're challenged too. I, I dare, you know, I dare them in class to go do something new. Mm -hmm. And then my students who are struggling, they they play it a little safer, but they're learning and they're taking steps and they're seeing the others and they're working through it and they gain some confidence as well. And they they also tell me what they learned. But I am able to compare them to themselves, not compare them to each other. Mm -hmm. Because in that reflection, they're telling me what they learned. Here's where I started. They have to tell me. This is where I started. Here's where I got to. Mm -hmm. And I want to see that growth. And I want them to show me the growth. And every one of them can grow. And it, it's a great thing to see, but it also builds them all up. They gain confidence. They get, yeah. they get excited. Well, do you, do you see that? Because I, I noticed that the really, really high achieving kiddos can get really worried if they don't have... <laughs> a rubric or something to master to be able to just regurgitate information. So I feel like, you know, I, I would be excited to see that UDL is across the board, not just in high school, because these kids get used to having to, you know, get to certain expectations to be able to say, okay, well, I know this information, here's the information, and next. Yeah. So. Like, I, I would love to see that it starts in the elementary schools of this is how you learn. You you take risks and you make mistakes and you go back and, okay, this is what I would do differently. You know, starting it in high school is amazing, but you also have to kind of undo some learning so that they can understand, like, learning really is taking risks, making mistakes, going back and figuring out what you need to do differently. So, you know, I, I hope that... It's not just a buzzword and this is what we're working on for this year. I would love to see Capel use it as a learning tool starting from the very beginning because, you know, building that confidence in that different type of learning 
it would be amazing, you know, learning in high school. Yeah, that's great. And the one, hopefully they can, you know, turn it into, you know, learning in college because universities, they're going way more PBL. They're not just doing memorization and regurgitation. It's the application of the content that they know. So I, w- I would hope that it would be kind of a trickle down starting in elementary and moving it back back up. And you, know? you, bring, you bring up a really good point. Um, we're talking about changing the way we're thinking as teachers mm-hmm. um, and it's it's really a difficult task that we have ahead of us of helping teachers understand Scary it's a, a whole thing about teacher comfort zones yep. that we're going to have to overcome yeah um so thinking about your experiences if you were to try to convince someone else to try this, what are some of the things that you think would be important for us to either demonstrate or to convey to teachers that would help them feel comfortable trying this way of teaching? Mm -hmm. What are some of those things? I think it would be just jumping in and trying with, you know, giving them an example of here's a lesson that you could do go try it out see what happens in the classroom because i because i feel like a lot of times teachers kind of get stuck in what they've been doing and then that's where burnout happens because they're bored Mm -hmm. and they aren't engaged they're not excited about the content that they're teaching so i think i think like the first step would be here's an example of a lesson like show them or watch a video of this is a this is a lesson of UDL and give them the opportunity to kind of play around. Um, it's got to be training. I mean, they have to be given the information and and it, like majority of the times teachers learn from watching and experiencing just like a lot of students do. So I think if we were able to give the training on it and let them know like. Hey, this, for this le- like we're not worried about what the kids are getting from it. It's just an experience to teach them. Okay, this is what teaching can look like right now, and just kind of pulling them out of their comfort zone. It, it's scary because you don't want chaos in the classroom. You don't want teachers to feel like they don't have control of the classroom. But a lot of times, when they kind of let that control go, that's when the kids kind of show up. And they can they can see okay well I actually have control of my learning and and this is actually fun. I think it requires a level of vulnerability on the teachers as well. Yeah. If we are asking our students to take these types of risks in their learning, then I think we as educators also need to model that idea of taking risks. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to be open and transparent with our students and say things like, "This is new for me. Mm-hmm. This is something I've never done before." but I feel passionately about this process and I feel that this will help you all learn. Mm-hmm. I feel this will help me learn. And, and it's that whole idea of being open to trying new things mm-hmm. and then modeling that for other educators in the building as well as your learners. Yeah. And the other part, you know, you, 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 you were exactly correct. They've got to have that example. Mm-hmm. They've got to be able to see it. They have to be able to see the end product. Also, mm-hmm. what is this going to look like then? Because most of the teachers, they're faced with, I've got, I've got these teachers I have to cover. I've got a lot of them have a standardized test, or they've got an AP exam. And I've seen UDL, UDL and PBL work awesomely in a AP environment, mm-hmm. and students score fours and fives on the test in a 100% PBL and UDL environment. 
but it's about also you have to radically change the way you're doing it so again those end results and what does this look like and how do I deal with these changes because UDL forces you to slow down it forced me to slow, slow down, down mm -hmm. on what I'm doing we go deeper into it we do fewer things yep. but we go deeper with it yep. and it's a totally different mindset and if you those that already get it are going to jump in and go do it. Mm -hmm. It's the next group that are kind of looking, but they need examples. They need someone. They need a mentor. Mm -hmm. They need someone to walk that journey with them and help them see that end because they have to have that end in mind as well. Mm -hmm. I know this is what it's going to look like. I know this is how it's going to come out, and I need to walk this small little step with somebody helping me out because, oh, my gosh, this is completely scary, and if it doesn't work, now my kids are messed up and they're going to not pass the AP exam or they're not going to pass this thing and then I'm going to get fired. Mm -hmm. that, uh, that's the reality. That's the reality where the teachers are. So again, that designing for the margins, we got to take that into account that that's their reality. Mm -hmm. And those changes, there's a lot of forces that are making them stay put. Yeah. And the parents, the parents are used to it too. You got to, you got to, you got to get the parents on board with it too. So it's, it's small little baby steps. Well, and that's hard too because, you know, with our industry, we know every parent has gone through education. So they think they know what is best for them because they've experienced it. They know what's going on. So getting getting the buy-in from our stakeholders mm -hmm. is huge too. Um, but I think that comes along with trust. Um and building those relationships with those families and understanding, listen, our world is completely different than what it was when we were growing up and that industrialized education doesn't work anymore. Um, but like, you know, you were talking about, you know, with the AP kids, well, UDL is amazing for those lower level kids too because they get to use all of their different senses and it's not just sitting and regurgitating information because some of those kiddos, they have processing issues where it doesn't work for them. They can't just sit and listen to information and be able to take a test. So being able to, and they'll remember these lessons. Like they're not gonna remember, you know, a, a worksheet or an app that they had to work on. It's, they're gonna remember those experiences and, and what they learned from it. So it's like, I think Alyssa is right, is teachers being vulnerable and being okay saying this is all new for me and I'm and I'm learning just like you are but I think that's with anything new like you have to be vulnerable and willing to take a chance when I think you know timing is everything with these last couple of years and the COVID situation yeah. that we've been in teachers have had to be vulnerable and teachers have had to learn something new and in all of that happening kids have essentially already been exposed to mm -hmm. UDL. You have students that were doing face-to-face -face Zooms with teachers for maybe the introduction or the lecture piece of the information and other students who were watching maybe a TED Talk or who were watching an instructional video on YouTube. And so that's really kind of the tip, the beginning of universal design for learning, especially in terms of how students are receiving the information. Maybe mm -hmm. Maybe, Miss Hart, you prefer to sit in a lecture-style course, whereas Mike wants to put on a video, a YouTube video, and go back and rewind it for certain pieces or fast-forward mm -hmm. what he already knows. And so the timing of this is really perfect mm -hmm. in that we've already had to get our feet wet yeah. with the concept of UDL. So instead of taking two steps back, let's push keep on through forward. and keep moving forward. And, yeah. I mean, you hit on a good point earlier. 
relationships. Mm -hmm. It's relationship for the teacher, the relationship the teacher has with the student to take that risk. Mm -hmm. The student, that relationship also allows the student to be willing to take the risk and then do it. Mm -hmm. That also goes in with the parents. Oh, yeah. If you have that, the teacher develops that relationship with the parents. The parents are looking at, okay, we're in high school, the next thing, college, or whatever they're doing next. So they're thinking, okay, well, I went to, when I went to college, this is what it was to be successful. They're not even thinking of, and I because I had these conversations with them, they're not picturing, how's this going to help them with the job a couple of years down the road? Do you and your job take tests every day and it's based on what you can memorize? No, I have to solve a problem. Right. And I don't know what that problem is yet. Great. How about we start working on that? And then developing that relationship in those conversations. And it's, it comes down to relationships 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and if you get the, your kids to trust you too. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I, I see that there's so many teachers that are worried about having their kids think that they don't know it all. Like, I mean, until we're 99, we're still learning. I mean, there's there's so many things to learn. And I think that if you are vulnerable in the classroom and you do show the kids, this is something exciting. This is, I, I want to do this because I want to teach you guys to love learning. That's the ultimate goal is to get these kids to love learning, not to pass a test, not to be able to regurgitate information. It's to love learning. Well, and moreover, teachers are now not the sole owner of information. Right. When we were in school, we had to get our information from teachers or the World Book Encyclopedia. Oh, God. Yeah. But honestly, if, <laughs> you know, we giggle, but it's the it's truth, true. right? Um, honestly, we are now no longer the sole possessors of information. If mm -hmm. kids want to know something, they can seek out that information on their own. Oh, so yeah. in order for us educators to stay relevant, the what of what we're teaching has got to change. Mm -hmm. And we've got to focus more on those problem solving skills, um, collaboration, communication, mm -hmm. instead of this is how you say this word in Spanish. Right, right, or memorize this chart. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, oh. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna kinda shift a little bit. <laughs> we kinda now, went off. No, no, we've, had, we've had some great conversations here, <laughs> and that's what I love about having several people in on this podcast, is that you can have conversations and you do go down some of those rabbit holes mm -hmm. that we really need to chase sometimes. Yeah. Um, but thinking about, we've talked about the high level kids more so than the low level kids, but let's talk, think about even on both of those ends, how we can use scaffolding to enhance our lessons or help our kids move up the ladder, so to speak, um, with their gaining knowledge. Well. I've found, uh, honestly, I'm kind of lazy, so <laughs> I give every accommodation to all of my kids. Every project I do I is chunked, from it. and for my ninth and 10th graders, it's chunked into 20-minute sections, Yeah. and they ha I know, and I plan out the day, and I know that, okay, you have to turn in these two parts today, and then tomorrow you're going to turn in these two parts, but that's all of my kids, all 30 kids in the room. Amazingly, everybody's on time with their work. What a novel idea. Um, <laughs> but I also give them, if I do have something that I'm talking with them about, I, every kid gets a copy of it. I put it in, I use numbers um, to get run through my projects because I can put in audio notes and videos and I can embed those in, I can embed examples in. So the kids who need an example of what this looks like, well, all of them need it. <laughs> I mean, my high level kids love it because they don't have to try to guess and they can go do it and then I have them start teaching each other. Mm -hmm. And then, so like we rolled out a new piece of equipment the other day and 
I taught one kid and I said, you go, I don't have time, you go teach the other group. Mm -hmm. And so they went teaching each other and they, it, it, the, the whole room is done that way, but it makes my life easier. Mm -hmm. And I'm having fun, and I can spend time, and really what it ends up doing, that scaffolding that way, turns it into everything small group instruction, because most of my kids get it, they don't need me, because I already have all the resources there for them, but the one or two, this few who do, okay, we sit and talk together, and there, it, it brings them all, I don't have to, I don't have to lower my expectations, I have high expectations of them, but we've designed it so that they can meet it, and it reaches them, and it finds the way, and then, also, there's times where a kid has said, okay, I don't really understand this way, and I'll find a new way, and lo and behold, the next project, well, that new way has found its way into my stuff. Mm -hmm. it, 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 and it's, it's funny because it worked for that kid, but that one stood up and said something, and then there's, I find three or four others who are using it as well. Great, good, awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm lazy. It makes my life easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the scaffolding too, I mean, it's it's opportunities to check for understanding. Mm -hmm. Like you know, if it's a, if it's something that all of the students understand, okay, well, let's not sit here and waste time to review it. Let's build on that and move on. But with that with that scaffolding, it gives opportunity to okay, review. Okay, what do you need to fix or change? Now let's go a different route. So it's just that building blocks of, it's not just we're gonna give all the information all at once. I mean, like you said, you know, all of the accommodations that, you know, some of my SPED kiddos have, all of these are beneficial for any student. Um, but, it, you know, not necessarily that they need it, but, you know, it's it's important to be able to, to understand that, you know, it's not just SPED kiddos that need these you know, different accommodations. It's just different modes of, you know, teaching. Well, Mike, you said something that to me is, would be every educator's ultimate goal is, and also the difference between differentiation and UDL. You know, if it's differentiation, we are selecting what the students are doing, but in Universal Design for Learning, they are choosing what they're doing. If you have kids that can self-reflect, and then they can determine what scaffolds they need. Um, I think that would be a win, just a total, now I've got kids that they can reflect on their learning and they know what scaffolds they need and they can choose how they show their learning and how they learn the information. Mm -hmm. Like that to me is, you call it lazy, I call it brilliant. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you yep, are empowering, you are truly empowering your learners to be able to say, I don't get this, this is what I need to get this, and this is how I need to get there. Yeah, I think one of the most important things we can teach our students is how they learn and the easiest way for them to figure things out. As a former student and a present student myself, um, I think it's very important to me to know that when I'm working on a project, the way I need to attack it. And that goes in the workplace as well. I know when my husband's working on his sales pitch that he has a specific way that he knows he needs to do it for it to be successful for him. If we don't teach our students the tools that they need in order for them to be successful, then they're not going to succeed or they're going to struggle mightily trying to figure it out on their own. This way of teaching attacks that. Mm -hmm. It helps our students to feel like they understand themselves better. And one of the things that we talk about in special ed a lot is 
you are the expert on you. And if we can't teach our kids to be the expert on themselves, then there's no one else that can help them through life. They won't be able to self-advocate. They won't be able to find those jobs that really fit their skills. Mm -hmm. And so we really, I think, using UDL is a great tool that's going to help us help our students become the best that they can be. Um, let's talk a little bit about backward design, um, where we, I mean, to me it only makes sense. If you know what your kids, where they need to get to, what the end goal is, why are we starting of saying, mm, you know what, I think we're going to do a whole unit on bridges. <laughs> Begin uh, with the end in mind. Let's, let's start with um, how, to, how to build a bridge. Well, why don't we start with what do we want them to learn from all of this? Tell me about your experiences with backward design. Well, <laughs> actually, I heard somebody put it really well. Um, kids can hit a target if it's clear and it doesn't move. And if you've designed it that way, it's really easy for them to be successful in your room. Mm -hmm. Because now, everything I do in my the setting up that activity or that project and also the way I assess it is designed for them to show me that thing that I said I want them to learn like it's it the bridges um, I you know yes we do bridges in our class that's not the thing I want them to learn I need them to learn about structures and movement of forces I can teach that through anything mm -hmm. bridges are just fun and <laughs> so I don't assess the bridge the bridge is the tool and I want them to take risks. And we talk about that. And I say, look, at the end of this, this is what you're going to tell me. This is what you're going to demonstrate to me. And then everything along the way, and you know, I, I use these numbers guides, but everything along the way in there, every tab has stuff about the thing they got to learn. Get this picture. Get this. What about this? And they, it's building all these pieces. And then when they get to the end and they go to assess, they put all the pieces together and they can tell me what they learned because that's the way I designed it. I'm not. I don't, I'm not test, I don't want, you know, this is a problem with test. Test, mm -hmm. test your test taking ability. Yep. Or it tests something else. Um, I've been lucky and been able to help write several certification exams. It takes a team of 10 people, 40 hours each, to write one test mm -hmm. with, a, with a professional and psychometric analysis to make sure we're actually measuring the thing we're trying to measure. Oh my gosh, you know, so yeah, that's why I don't try to put together tests because I can't, I don't have that kind of time. Right. You know what I think, Mike, is really interesting that you said we focus so much on the test, the end of unit test, what's going to be on the test, and it's always a mystery to kids. Do you know what's going to be on the test? Do you know what we're being <laughs> tested on? Mm -hmm. And for the life of me, I don't understand. Right. These kids should know at the beginning of the unit exactly what's going to be on the test. Yep. It shouldn't be a mystery because... This is what I need you to know. By the end of this unit, the expectation is that you will know these things mm -hmm. and you will be able to do these things with what you know. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a little bit of a different perspective. As a foreign language teacher, I'm in a performance-based class. Yeah. I don't care if you know the word for cat. I want to hear you talk about your pet cat at home or communicate with this vocabulary and these grammatical structures. But I remember kids would say things like talking about not knowing what's going to be on the test. I'm like, here, look at it. Right. Here it is. Really? And it was almost like they were shocked that I was going to show it to them. But I'm like, guys, it, this is not a surprise. It's not a gotcha. These are the yeah. things that I need you to be able to do. Here it is. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that that matches the pre-assessment that I gave you at the beginning of the unit so I could determine where you are before I taught those things? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's just a thought that popped into my mind when we were talking. <laughs> 
it's, sometimes it's those very obvious things that we tend to make more difficult than what they really are. Um, I, one of my professors recently in uh, class said, you know, we've got it here for you. We're giving it to you. You just got to take it. And I think that's kind of what we need to do with our students is here it is. This is what we want you to do. This is what we want you to learn. Come and take it and let's make it yours. And with UDL, that's what we're really encouraging them to do is to take that learning into their own hands and make it their own. Mm -hmm. um, now, earlier we were talking about parents and the parental views of this way of learning. And, you know, so many of our parents are, they're rote. They learned by rote. Mm -hmm. Everything was regurgitated information, facts, yep. dates, numbers, words, vocabulary. Everything was vocabulary based. I swear every test I ever took, you had one section that was nothing but vocabulary words and the rest was multiple choice. Yeah. And so it's a totally new way of educating. Well, it's not even really that new. It's been here for years and years. We're just now deciding that it's really a good tool even though it's been researched and researched and researched. Um, I think we have got to explain to parents that, you know, yeah, it's great your kids can recall facts, but that's really not what matters. And when we start talking to them about what the expectation is in college now, um, unless they've had a kid in college, they don't get it. Right. They don't understand that it's those higher level thinking skills that are required for college now, not recall. And so, not only are we having to change the way we're behaving in the classroom as teachers and how our students are being presented materials, now we're having to educate the parents. Mm -hmm. And I think that Just is absolutely more difficult than teaching the kids and changing our own way of teaching. Yeah. Um, any, have y'all had any experiences where you've had positive feedback from parents that really encouraged you to say, okay, we're on the right track? Well, not in Capel, but my former life, I was in the private sector, and we, um, you know, everything we did was communicated to families because it was tuition-based. So, you know, they were paying tuition to trust us that we knew what we were doing. So, you know, being part of our stakeholders, we held a meeting of, hey, listen, we do interdisciplinary studies. This is how we teach. Everything's integrated, but we're moving to PBL, which is basically interdisciplinary, but it just is packaged a little bit differently. So we had a parent meeting and it was funny. It was literally the room was split. You had basically engineers or people who had to use critical thinking throughout their entire job thinking, this is amazing. I wish this is how I was taught when I was little. This makes so much sense. And then you had a lot of people who were more of an industry where it was, they had to plug in numbers, they have to do more rote memorization, stuff like that. And they were petrified that their kids aren't going to get what they need to be able to be successful on these standardized tests and all of this stuff. So it's, it was a fine, it's a fine line having to explain to parents, listen, it is not the way that it used to be when we were in school and getting them to understand that this 
this is the best way to get the kids excited about learning. But it, it has to be an open conversation. And I don't know how that works with public school because, you know, yes, parents pay taxes, but this is how, you know, this is what we've decided is going to be best for the students. So I don't know how that works, but it, it all goes back to those relationships and that trust and being transparent and, and getting parents to understand you know, how different it is in school nowadays and needing to keep the kids engaged because they're used to getting information every 10 seconds from their phones. They're not going to be able to sit and listen to a lecture. I mean, you know, parents have to repeat themselves 75 times nowadays in at home of do your laundry, put away stuff. So it's not that it's, it's very different than when we were little. I've never been able to sit through a lecture. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't sit still well. My kids know that. I'm bouncing off the walls all the time. Um, but my parents, I've had a lot of luck with my parents, but it's been that communication piece. Mm -hmm. um, I, in my, the kids and their reflections and their work, they talk about, I made them tell how this tied what we did and what you learned, how's it going to tie to your life after high school. Mm -hmm. You pick, you find your why. You are here, you find your why, and you tell me what it is, and you tie it. And then I actually I create newsletters, and I send them out to the parents, and we will put pieces Perfect. of that in there. And so it helps educate the parents, and the parents see that. And then they tie, that connects it, because yeah, the parents are thinking college, but when we connect it to a career, life after high school, the parents connect that differently. And they mm -hmm. see, wait a minute, that's my job, because Oh my gosh, I had to learn four new things this year alone. And also, oh yeah, my phone is more powerful and I had to learn how to use it. And I had to learn how to use my new car. And I had to learn all these things. Oh, my kid did the same thing in his class. Oh, I get it. And they call me and they're like, oh my gosh, thank you. Mm. And I didn't realize. And you know, they didn't realize that there was those connections being made. They didn't see it. They saw school as this thing mm -hmm. by itself and they don't see the connection to the real world until we make it and then put it there for them to go oh look how cool mm -hmm. is that um and that is that communication and relationship piece yeah and it's nothing more than take what blurbs or what the kids did and send it to the parents look what they did today carolyn you said it earlier everybody is an expert in education mm -hmm. because everybody has been to school yeah so i would not tell a doctor how to do their job i would not tell a lawyer to do their job because i don't understand what they're doing right but every parent has been in school therefore every parent is an expert when it comes to education and learning so right. that mindset I mean it's really this trifecta we have to change teacher mm -hmm. mindset we have to change student mindset yeah. and we have to change parent mindset but I think that it can be done mm -hmm. and we have quite a few teachers in this building that have moved to a standards based grading system over the last couple of years and I'm quite sure they've experienced success with it um, and I would love, that's probably, maybe that's your next podcast, Ms. Springer, is to reach out to those teachers and have them talk about it. And I know several of those teachers, and the thing that they did was, it was communication. Mm -hmm. They communicated, they showed, they talked with the parents about it, they, they have, and they, they, the kids know up front what's happening. They know how they're being graded. They know how this also fits in our GPA system. Mm -hmm. It is communicated. Yep. And that's been a massively powerful system, is how does this connect and what does this mean for everybody else? You know, what does this mean for me? We've had a great conversation today and I just want to thank you guys for being here and I hope you guys have a great day. Be sure and listen to all of our conversations on the Big Reset Podcast where we discuss multiple topics for universal design for learning. 
I want to thank Mike Yakubowski, STEM teacher at Coppell High School, Carolyn Hart, in-class support special education teacher at Coppell High School, and Alyssa Womack, assistant principal at Coppell High School. Special shout out to Monday Hopes for their music, Orange Juice on the Table, available at pixabay.com. I'm your host, Julie Springer, and I hope you have a wonderful day. May your coffee be stronger than the learners in your classroom.